Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast, part golf, part business. I'm Brian Claude, along with my co-host Lee Nelson. We take a closer look into all things golf and business. We focus mainly on the Des Moines metro area because that's where we live, work, and play. But we aren't afraid to step out of the box and share our opinions on other topics as well. We certainly aren't experts, but we do like to have fun. And we are glad you're along for the journey. Now let's get it. All right, welcome everybody into episode four of the Two Putt Podcast. We're excited to be back. We're excited um, for our guests tonight. Before we get into that, Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited for, for this episode too. We got, we got a classy guest with us today, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we have uh, a, a special guest with us. Um, he's a longtime friend, teammate of both of ours, um, a best shot leadoff, a father, a husband, Ted Warburg, uh, golf coach, assistant basketball coach, our longtime bud, Frederick legend, Jason Staggy. Jason, welcome, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, last putter in a best shot. First leadoff for hitting last putter because that's when the best putter goes. Definitely leadoff on, on T1. <laughs> for sure. Hitting a little uh, uh, stock, uh, stock cut off the first tee. Little baby cut. <laughs> he swings way harder than he used to, though. I don't know about that. I think my game's kind of toned down a little bit from previous years. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You couldn't swing any harder than you used to. I'm more of a control guy now, finesse and control. You do yeah. kind of hit that little baby draw down the middle now. <laughs> no. That comes out at sporadic times. Baby cut. Jason's our Fred Funk. <laughs> make a lot of money man playing like fred funk just trying to make the help the family survive hey whatever you got it whatever you got to do man that that uh <laughs> that's for sure so well good man we're uh we're excited uh to get you going here and get you on um first part uh here as we jump into i uh, want to talk a little bit as far as the business side and what's going on um, obviously, we're here in Central Iowa, so it's it's always nice to to hear a little bit about what's going on back in Waverly, where you're at, and uh, you know what have um, what have you noticed, or how is how is things going on with the the virus impact uh, the day to day, and uh, what you see in the community up there? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, from uh, a work standpoint, uh, for me, not seeing many people uh, when I am able to be. Uh, around campus a little bit just to stop in my office quick but uh, you know I'd say we're pretty much like everywhere where everybody's kind of following by the same rules and uh, only going out when necessary and going to the grocery store and uh, you know obviously local local businesses and local shops are uh, faced with some real big challenges right now and so uh, I'd say that uh, you know we're like a lot of places where you're not seeing a whole lot of activity unless necessary and uh, hopefully this thing will pass over and uh, we'll be able to get back to regular routine and regular life here in a little while. Yeah, I think we all definitely uh, have the same hopes and dreams as far as that. And hopefully it's uh, sooner sooner than later. And so obviously with Waverly and uh, Warburg there, the um, campus is a big part of a, a lot of what's going on around town and, and the businesses rely on that. And obviously uh, there's plenty of, plenty of people that live there year round that, uh, you know, are able to support most of these businesses in normal times. But uh, 
what do you think as far as the impact on the campus or how do you think think things are gonna have to change here moving forward when the students do come back well it's a it's a big impact I uh, you know when you're having less kids on campus you know uh, all the kids with remote learning we're our online learning you know you have so many kids living at home now or uh, just not on campus and not active and uh, that definitely takes a toll on the community you know whether it's restaurants or local businesses or whatever uh, you know the, the kids that are on campus bring a big impact to the community and so uh, that's a big big change right now you know and from a campus standpoint uh, we have our athletic facility which is also in cooperation with the community and uh, a big part of that place being open is the community memberships and uh, classes that are going on, fitness classes, swimming lessons, everything that's going on in, in the daily life. And, you know, you take away that aspect, that component, and uh, campus is far less active, obviously, from a community standpoint then. And now with kids uh, no longer being on campus, or at least a few on campus still uh, with everything going on you know, the, the W's closed. So that plays a huge impact too. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how things maybe change or how things are altered. I, I know our athletic facility right now, we're going, they're going through a, a deep cleaning of that place. And uh, it's going to look as good as it did on day one when it opened, you know, when we get back to normal life, and, you know, that'll be nice. So some of those things that they get caught up with in the, the daily life where ah, we can get to that later and you don't get to it because everything's so busy. Uh, you know, those things are being taken care of now or uh, some things are being cleaned up and uh, kind of moving forward that way. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how, you know, maybe the wellness facility is more efficient with their classes or be able to do some things online to incorporate with what they're doing uh, in their classes. And, you know, from a, a campus standpoint, too, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll learn to be more efficient, too. We'll learn to, you know, make adjustments, whether it's, you know, hey, your professor's sick and you can do online learning or you can do, you know, whatever it might be for your class. And so this is something that can, you know, could be a benefit too as well to help us learn and to help us adapt to what's going on. So what does, what does that look like for you guys from a, a golf program, from a basketball program, or even just a, a school in general on the recruiting side? How does that change? Obviously it's gotta be a lot different, um, but what does that do to you guys and how do you guys, you know, get people to to be still recruited or visit or whatever you guys have to do? Well, uh, definitely a challenging time for recruiting because, you know, we always talk about uh, through the recruiting process, you know, we get people, uh, prospective student athletes, prospective students in general on campus and, and campus speaks for itself. You know, campus sells itself because of uh, you know, the people that are on campus and every, the facilities and uh, the people that they meet on their visits. So now you take that aspect of the recruiting process and you remove it. And how do you, you know, make, make do with what you have to show students to, uh, you know, educate them about the things that are happening on campus or that could be happening and what you have. So, uh, you know, the challenging part is uh, maybe students that, at this point in the year, you know, in the spring, haven't visited campus yet and wanted to wait until, you know, maybe they're the spring to come visit. Well, now that opportunity is taken away. So you have to, you know, you have to do a virtual tour, you have to do uh, a video of campus or your athletic facilities or whatever it might be. So 
that is the challenge right now. You know, we've all gotten a lot better at these Zoom meetings and uh, video calls with recruits and with, you know, staff members and, and everybody. And so that seems like it's the way of the world right now with uh, how people are operating. So uh, just getting a chance to, to utilize these to, you know, educate the kids that we're so involved with in the recruiting process uh, about what we have to offer. So, you know, from a golf standpoint, it's unique because in the state of Iowa, the class 4A plays in the fall of the year. So a lot of those kids have made a decision already. Uh, you know, their season gets over in October when the state tournament is and they make their decision. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they've made their decision before January 1st. Class 1A through 3A, they play in the spring of the year. Well, they're not able to have a spring season. So, you know, a lot of kids that are seniors were, you know, maybe going to wait till their, their season to decide where they wanted to go to school or see how the season started, decide if they want to play in college, and they're not going to have that opportunity. So now they have a tough decision to face where do I want to play, and we're not going to have a high school season probably. Uh, I don't think it's official yet, but they've postponed it and moved it back. And, uh, you know, so – so those kids are the ones that, you know, I feel bad for the most because they wanted to see how their season, senior season was going to play out. And, hey, if they get a chance to make it to state, maybe they get a chance to, you know, earn some potential scholarship money, wherever it might be, whatever, you know, whatever the scenario is. So uh, from a golf standpoint, strictly, it's kind of, it's unique because you have a number of kids who were able to go through the recruiting process and play their season. Then you have a number of kids that weren't. So for those kids that, that haven't gone through the recruiting process yet. Has it been any different with them? Do you see those types of kids reaching out more to schools as opposed to schools reaching out more to the kids because they don't have a way to show off their skills and, and you know, to base their recruiting on the, the type of season that they have? You know, does that make a difference in how you guys have been approached? I, we've seen a little bit of both. You know, we, uh, you have some kids who uh, maybe want to continue to pursue for the next level, and there were maybe some schools, some coaching staffs that were going to wait to see how their senior season went uh, and let it play out. And so you have some of the, the kids reaching out, wanting to continue to their, their, their playing. Uh, and then you also have the flip side of it, too, where, uh, you know, you have the opposite scenarios. So I, I don't think that uh, – you know, I haven't seen one way or the other be totally uh, more kids one way or the other. So I think that it's just, you know, it's just a crazy scenario that none of us thought would have ever happened, you know, five months ago, a year ago in our lifetime. Uh, so, you know, to, to kind of have all the answers, you know, we're all searching. So it, we're all learning on a daily basis what we can do to be better at what we're doing right now. And the kids are learning you know, what they can do to get their name out there or to make their decision, what they, you know, what they need to have to make their decision. So uh, we've seen both ways, but I wouldn't say one way more than the other. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. Like you said, it's, this is something that uh, nobody was ever prepared for, or could be prepared for. And so uh, doing what we can to obviously make the most of the situation. And like you said, hopefully that there are um, some silver lining that comes from this. And as far as being able to find some efficiencies and ways um, to make things better, not only uh, for you guys as coaches, but for the student athletes and students as well. And so hopefully that's the case. Uh, hopefully we're able to get back to a little bit of normalcy here sooner than later. Hopefully those kids are able to come on campus and, and, and start school on time in the fall as well. Um, obviously a lot of unknown and the unknown is scary. And so we'll just have to, to ride this, ride this wave as it comes and, and see what we can do. But um, 
Well, it's really great. We appreciate the insight. And um, like I said, we're obviously with all three of us being, being an alum of Warburg, we're, uh, we'll be keeping an eye and paying attention to what's going on. Well, yeah. And if you're a good, if you're a good golfer, reach out to coach Steggy and let's get this thing going. We want to see 2021 American rivers conference champions in Waverly, Iowa next year. Uh, you know, that's what we're working towards. So the thing that I would say uh, that it, uh, this, this whole thing is done is it's, it's kind of clarified the, uh, the value of the on-campus experience. You know, I think that through this whole thing, I, you know, you see kids on campus and you see it, you hear it everywhere. Ah, I don't want to go to class today or, you know, what, what do I need to be at class for? And now we're hearing kids say, God, I wish I could go to class. Uh, and it, it just, I think it, for private schools, uh, it really emphasizes the value of being in the classroom and having that social interaction and, uh, you know, having that interaction with your professors and getting to know your professors on a first name basis. And, uh, you know, the, the smaller faculty to staff or student to uh, faculty, student to faculty ratio and uh, class size, you know, so I think it has just, you know, reassured us and confirmed what we know and the value that's going on in the classroom every single day. And, uh, you know, that's something that the kids aren't getting right now. And, when you take it away from them, now they're like, I wish I had that. When before it might have been like, I, you know, I don't feel like it's that important to go to class. Well, now they're, they really want that. And I think that just, you know, like I said, that shows the value of what it, what it means to be in the classroom. I think it's that same way uh, with work. I feel like we're like, oh, man, I wish I could spend some more time at home with my kids. And now I'm like, man, I want to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Love my kids to death, love my family to death, but uh, there comes a time where you want to get away a little bit too, and work became that outlet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely ready to get back, uh, get back at it, and uh, do what uh, do what we were meant to do. That's for sure. But uh, well, hey, with that, uh, let's transition over to to the fun stuff here. Let's uh, let's talk golf. Obviously, we wish um, we were all out um, playing either right now or this weekend for sure, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, as the circumstances are, we're, we're not there yet, but it sounds like we're getting closer. And with that, um, when we're talking professional golf, we've we got a new schedule out. Um, we at least have some, some hope, something to uh, look forward to. And so uh, what are your thoughts and feelings here with the initial uh, schedule that the PGA Tour has released? Well, you know, I think it's from a, a fan's perspective, it's nice to know they're, they're going to try to play. Uh, you know, the different majors and try to fit them in on the back end of the schedule, you know, rearranging uh, when the uh, FedEx Cup is. And obviously it's a Ryder Cup year. And so that's a, it's a big year in that regard with it being hosted uh, Whistling Straits. And so trying to fit everything in at the back end of the schedule and rearranging the schedule. You know, it's exciting from a fan's perspective. Uh, I think the silver lining from that standpoint is we can see in a uh, two-month stretch we could see the U.S. Open the Ryder Cup the Masters and you know some FedEx Cup events and we're going to see all the big-time players you know all this all the horses playing in those. I watched the uh, Brooks Kepka, and this is kind of old this would have been last year's uh, Faraday episode today and he talked about how excited he was with the new major schedule that they implemented last year because he said, you know, a lot of people can get hot for a couple months on the PGA Tour, but you might only get one big tournament within that time frame. And he said how excited he was because now you could get hot and have a chance to win 
every single major. I mean, mm -hmm. that would be, you know, we've talked about Brooks Kepka Kepka on here before and how he just wants to win those big tournaments anyway. <laughs> but, you know, like it is going to be different, but it's going to be pretty fun if it works out the way that they say it's going to work out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, one of those guys gets it going and they're playing really well in the third top of their game, you know, can they win the U S open and be in the Ryder cup and, you know, go whatever four Oh and one in the Ryder cup or whatever it is. And then roll right into the masters too, a little bit after that. And, you know, who knows the, the interesting thing will be what's Augusta going to look like in the fall of the year, you know, is it going to be, uh, is that thing going to be the same bloom and color and uh, everything that is in the spring of the year? And, you know, how does the course react in the fall of the year? Because I think it's going to be, you know, different in terms of maybe what you have for rollout and how the greens are receptive in the fall of the year. And uh, I think that'll really be interesting to see how that is. I saw Rory commented on that. You know, he said, I think he made a comment the other day about, you know, maybe this is what I need to, to win a green jacket is to have it be in the fall. Uh, so what he meant by that, who knows? But uh, I it'll be interesting. Yeah, I did hear him say that, and I I don't know exactly what his take was on that either. Um, as far as what I've everything I've seen and read, it sounds like the playability is going to be very similar. I mean, though Lee and I talked about it on here before, but they basically can flip a switch down there and, and control everything. Um, and so the playability side of things, I think, will be similar to what we've seen before, but it's going to look different. I mean, obviously the azaleas and some of that stuff isn't going to be in bloom. The cut, the dogwoods would be in a different phase. And so it will definitely be interesting to see. One of the things that we touched on um, was the difference in daylight. I mean, they're going to lose over two and a half hours of daylight. And so I, I guess, I don't know, maybe you've heard um, as far as how they're going to have to do that because they're going to maybe have to send people off 10 or have to adjust somehow to be able to get – to get everybody in and so it'll definitely be interesting i know you had uh experience how many how many years ago was it that you had the chance to go down to augusta yeah we were able to go down in 2015 was when we went down i uh, were able to get down there and uh taking the action on a wednesday we went down actually went on went down a couple days early and played some golf while we were down there and then we had tickets to the wednesday uh part three contest uh and practice round and you know that day a lot of guys might go out and play nine holes and uh you know might just try to get a little bit extra touch up in for with their game and maybe play like I said a quick nine or anything like that and so uh, a lot more focus on the par three contest that it was starting around noon and then went the rest of the afternoon and uh but really really unique experience I think it was uh something that it's hard to put into words how awesome uh, Augusta National is and the Masters is and uh, to be able to go down there and, and experience it firsthand was, was really cool. The, the crazy thing about that year is Tiger had not played in the par three contest for it had been a long time because he had traditionally not played in that and on Tuesday I remember we were out golfing and I looked at my phone and I had a bunch of text messages from buddies and they're like have you seen what the price for the Wednesday tickets are going for and I'm like there's no way I'm getting rid of these tickets I'm going well Tiger had just announced that he was playing in the uh, par three contest and, you know, they were online for anywhere from a thousand to $2,000 for one ticket. And I, uh, I looked at my buddies and I'm like, you know, I could get rid of these and I could get rid of you guys and make a little bit of money and pay for my trip. But uh, it, it was just crazy how things kind of transpired for that. And I, like I said, a really unique experience. So for somebody that's never been to Augusta, what would be your, your one big takeaway from that course that maybe 
TV doesn't do justice to uh, if you've never been there. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, for all the avid golf fans out there, uh, you know, the elevation change of that place is incredible. Uh, just I remember the one that really stuck out in my mind was uh, hole 10, start the back nine, and we stood down by the green, and you look back up to the tee, and, it lo- you know, there's a 70, 80-foot difference or whatever it is. Maybe it's closer to 100 feet, but from tee to green, and it's just the up and down and around of the courses. It, it's such a hard walk, and you don't realize that. Uh, on TV and you don't see that on TV and uh, the co- that was the main thing uh, and then just everything is has its place you know there's not a single blade of grass that's out of place uh, I mean it is immaculate and that's to put it lightly so uh, those are the two things that I think were the biggest uh, you know yeah it looks nice on TV and yeah you know uh, it's up and down I'm sure but to be there and to physically walk it and try to get around the course was I uh, was that was a challenge in itself what about the initial process as far as getting in and going to the clubhouse and taking your phone and all that how does that all work when you get there well you know we uh we didn't even mess around with taking the phone like trying to sneak it in or anything like that I'm like the last thing I'm getting to getting uh or gonna have happen is uh you know be that guy that's on the list that never gets to go to the masters again if he has an opportunity to because he tried taking his phone in there or something so I, uh, you know, we, it was actually pretty smooth. You know, they've, <laughs> they've done it for a number of years, a long time. And uh, they got that thing down to a T where you pull up and they direct you to parking and you make it up to the front gate. And, you know, they have a number of lines to get through and everything. And uh, the cool thing that happened the year that we went uh, on Wednesday morning is we walked in and I, uh, it was, uh, it was early in the morning. We tried to get there as early as we could. And it was around seven to eight o'clock somewhere in there. Well, the sun was still kind of coming up and, uh, it was foggy, and we walked in, and the first the range is there, and the practice green, uh, that's kind of outside of where the actual first tee is, and a practice green by the first tee, uh, and the first, you know, you walk up, and it's almost like you're in a dream, because it's hazy, and it was foggy, and the first person I see is Ricky Fowler and Phil Mickelson there on the putting green, and it's like, he just walked into this, you know, this dream, and so that was, that was really cool uh, experience the first time we walked in. So when you got there as a fan, um, I've, I've obviously never been, but I did go to the, the U S open uh, a few years ago for, well, all the practice rounds and all the, the tournament itself. Uh, what did you try to do as far as getting through the course? Did you try to find a certain spot to sit or were you trying to, to follow different groups or different holes around? With it being kind of the shorter practice day on Wednesday, we wanted to try to get in and walk the course. You know, we wanted to see every hole. Uh, and kind of walk at the natural lay of the course where you went one through 18, uh, walking it that way. Because of the amount of time and, you know, wanting to stop and watch guys play and all that stuff, we didn't get a chance to really walk that route, but we walked backwards on a few holes and kind of saw all the holes, uh, but we didn't get to spend as much time down there as we wanted. So when we got in there, uh, we just kind of started cruising through the course, and we walked up one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, and we wanted to get to Amen Corner, obviously, Amen Corner is the spot. That's where everybody wants to go. The crazy part about this, so we were we walked uh, backwards from 13 towards 12 and 11. Well, when we got towards 12 T, there were the the people around the uh, around the T. I mean, it was 50 rows deep. 
of people standing there. We're like, why? It's, you know, it's a practice round. Like who's cut? Well, we just so happened to look over and it was kind of like an eerie silence over the entire crowd. Well, on 11 green was uh, Tiger, Spieth and Ben Crenshaw. That was who was playing a practice round together. And uh, I mean, it was kind of like to see Tiger and Spieth and Ben Crenshaw and Amen Corner. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's history in itself right there. And so uh, we kind of watched them finish up on 11 and we were about 50 rows deep and watching tee off on 12. And really all we could catch was the, the swing and see the club up in the air and then catch the ball flight. And, uh, and then we kind of continued to walk through the rest of the course. Uh, we talked to a marshal on hole seven. And he had told us, yeah, you want to try to see everything. And uh, he said, with the par three contest starting, uh, you know, I'd make sure that you get into the par three contest and, you know, you can get a great spot next to a green really close. And uh, he's like, it'll, it'll start filling up. Uh, it'll start really filling up. Uh, so we decided, you know, the, the crazy thing about the Masters is you have a chair. You know, you can buy the little chair that you see on TV all the time. Well, you set your chair down, you have your name on the back of it, and no one touches it. So if you get to a spot, you set it down, you can go leave and no one touches your chair and you come back and you can get to your seat. So we bought chairs, got into the par three contest, set them right next to, uh, we were about three rows deep, right next to the fifth green of the par three contest. Did some more walking around. I went and grabbed the seat and the rest of the afternoon was just, you know, the who's who of golf coming by. Well, you had Rory, you had DJ, you had, uh, you know, you had the big three that came through and played. And I mean, it was it was an incredible experience. The year that we were there, we were sitting by five green at the par three contest. Jack Nicholson, or sorry, Jack Nicholas, hit a hole in one on hole four. And it was his first ever hole in one on the property. Uh, and he talked about that. And so, you know, we saw it and the, the, the roar was amazing because all those holes are so close and everybody was, uh, everybody was cheering. And uh, it was pretty cool because then some guys like on hole six green, I think it was uh, Spieth and uh, I think it was JT at the time. And those guys were clapping for him. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience there with that too. So uh, just the entire all around experience of that was fun, you know, getting to see DJ coming, walking right up in front of us and uh, sitting there next to my buddy. And he kind of taps me on the shoulder and I'm like, what's going on? Uh, he says, look up to your right, the great one. And Wayne Gretzky was standing right there because he was following DJ and I, uh, Wayne's nephew was on the bag for him during the par three contest so like literally Wayne Gretzky was about five feet away and I'm sure he heard us talking about him and wanted to backhand us but uh you know just just a cool experience because he was just one of the patrons walking around and hanging out and no one was bothering him and it was just really surreal that's a pretty cool experience for sure I mean I that's a story you can tell forever and people will know exactly who you're talking about mm-hmm I tell you what, the Masters and just Augusta National is obviously on every golf fan's bucket list. Um, it should be on every sports fan. I mean, if there's anything about sports, like you said, I mean, even sharing that story with a great one being there. Um, definitely a special place. I think, um, you know, as we talk about the majors and we look at everything, I think what makes obviously the Masters so special is the fact that it is always at the same spot. Um, it is a place that's so um, majestic in Augusta National. And so that that really kind of, uh, you know, makes that just a little bit more special than than what the other the other three are. Yeah, I mean, all the majors are great, but the aura around Augusta National and the history of Augusta National, uh, you know, I think really sets itself apart from, you know, some of the other venues uh, that are on the rotation of the different majors, too. 
All right. Well, let's transition then over to one of our uh, one of our pastimes. One of the things that we definitely uh, enjoyed killing some time with back in the college days, and that was uh, PlayStation and essentially, more specifically, EA Sports and the Tiger Woods games. Um, a lot of a lot of games coming out. Obviously, at that time. Um, a lot of good ones, a lot of neat features, create your own golfer, obviously play a tiger, Sunday tiger, all that fun stuff that came with those games. But, uh, um, I, I would say I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Lee's probably the expert of the three of us, but, uh, Lee, which, uh, which one was your favorite? What do you remember about those games? Yo, honestly, the, the first one I remember is Tiger Woods, uh, 99 for PlayStation one. And I remember that one the most because I remember uh, being at my mom's house in Northwood and I had a PlayStation one, but I didn't have a memory card. So basically um, I would just play the game and whatever, but one day I was playing it and I got a hole in one and I kept that PlayStation one on for days until I could get my hands on a memory card. So I could plug it in and save that I got a hole in one on this game. So that's the first one I remember, but my favorite one, that that they ever made that at least I know the year of would have been the 2005 one which had been released in 2004 my freshman year of college and that's when they introduced Tiger Vision which if any of you have ever played that game Tiger Vision was basically the you would build up these points until basically it gave you this heartbeat and you could click to choose Tiger Vision and then you would make it from wherever you were hitting it so it was kind of like a cheat code but um that one was that was pretty awesome plus you factor in like that at that time like brian said there were so many great sports games that they were releasing and that one was just so much easier to play with all your friends and to be able to to dig into what the game would actually give you as opposed to just playing somebody in a college football or madden or whatever um, that was pretty awesome. But the other one that I really liked, and I don't know what year what it came out was the one where they introduced Augusta national on Tiger Woods. So I would say when, when Jason was talking about Augusta national earlier, I can picture all the holes, not only cause I watch the masters whenever I can, but you really get to know each hole because of that video game. I mean, when Jason talks about the elevation change on 10, yeah, I realize I've never been there, but I have a pretty good idea. That drive is pretty far downhill. And if I hit it to the right spot, I'm going to roll down to where I need to get to. But then I'm hitting, I think, back a little uphill with my my second shot. So all those games are – they were just classic. I mean, they were, they were the best of the best at that time. So, yeah, 2005 is the best Tiger. But there's some pretty cool features of the other ones as well. The thing that I would add to that, yeah, 05, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like that one. Uh, you know, the Tiger Vision thing, I think you had people that were like, yeah, it's really cool, or it was like, oh, this is, you know, I can build my points up and I can make it from anywhere. I remember I remember making a, I mean, a two on a par five after being in the trees or something like that, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was fun, but, uh, you know, the people that wanted to fight the realistic version of it, ah, it's not that realistic, well, or any video video games where you can hit it that far really realistic. But uh, the thing that I would say, I was going to say the 2012 Masters Collection one uh, was one that I really got into. And, uh, you know, that when you, when I did go down there, you know, I remember 
by walking through the game and watching the holes and being like, okay, well, this is where my drive was at. And this is about how far I had in. And uh, the thing that I do remember about the 2012 one with the Masters is you'd always go to uh, hole 12 and they never had a wind direction on there. They always put question marks. So you never knew which way the wind was blowing. And, you know, they, they just wanted that obviously with the circling winds down there in Amen Corner. And I remember being like that was the goal was to get a hole in one on hole 12 but you never knew which way the wind was going to blow the ball so uh that was a frustrating hole to play I think there were probably some uh, I don't want to say controllers broken over that one but you know it was one that was a frustration for me so uh but if you go back to 0405 I think 055 would be the one that I was uh more familiar with the one that I probably played more that I had more more time spent on and so I would say that was the better one for me well, and I think too, looking back, I think 2005, I think the unique feature with that one was um, the ability to create like your own swing. So like if you went in and created your own golfer, I think that it was the one that you could finally kind of start to get uh, a little bit more of a unique sw swing and you can personalize it a little bit more. And so I think that feature of five was obviously really cool. Um, like you said, the, the tiger vision kind of goes both ways because people, I mean, you you literally move the aimer to the dot and it went in every time. And so um, people, you know, some people are split on, on how that went. But I think the biggest thing with 2005 and, and like Lee mentioned was um, probably more so the time and when it came out and like where we were at in our lives and the amount of, of gaming that we were getting in. And like you said, it was pretty easy to get four or five guys around a console and um, get some beverages going and, and, and have some fun playing those games. Well, you could you could fire a quick 56 and that'd be no problem and uh, make it happen in about 28 minutes. So, yeah, we got our we spent our own fair share of time on the old Tiger Woods games. Well, it gets so much more real, though, every one they released like early on, there was just that power meter, like everyone's swing. You know, you'd try to match it up the same. So you try to your backswing stop at a certain spot. And, and then when you follow through to try to stop at a certain spot. But like Brian mentioned, as you got a little bit further through it then it became like what does somebody's swing look like compared to stop here stop there so that was that just made it more real and plus the graphics I mean if you I'm guessing if you go back through and look I mean the graphics on early games just weren't very good especially now when you when you play games I mean, it pretty much looks like the actual person you're using as opposed to just like a 2d figure of Tiger Woods swinging a golf club yep I uh I remember getting started with the Tiger Woods games back on the old PC. I think it was, uh, I was a freshman in high school and my brother's buddy uh, had it for PC and I always bugged him to try to come over to his house and play uh, because I wanted to, he had it and uh, I wanted to play it. And I remember playing TPC Scottsdale all the time uh, back in the day. And that one was the using the space bar to tap start, to tap where you wanted to hit it for power wise and then hit it back on the, the initial meter to start so that was when i that was when i really started to get into them well they introduced the courses so they introduced like pebble beach at one point so like i'm pretty sure that when golf tournaments are there i know that course like the back of my hand at least the back of my video game hand because i played that so many times so when they started introducing those courses that are the most famous and are the most popular that made a big difference in it too absolutely yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it's something where you you see those layouts, and and as you mentioned, as you get further and further advanced in the games, the the holes um, 
it felt like you were there. I mean, obviously we have a lot of um, these simulators now where you can go in and play them. And it's like, well, yeah, we were playing those courses, uh, you know, back in 2009, 2010 on Tiger. And so it's definitely interesting to see. There were a few other games um, around that time too. I mean, golf games, obviously the other big one, um, shout out to poor houses, golden tea. Uh, that, that uh, in itself is obviously a fun um a fun golf video game, but then there was also uh, well, hot shots as well. Lee, what were, what were your feeling on old hot shots golf? The dumbest golf game ever. It's, so it's like backyard baseball. I get it. It's like catchy, but that's just stupid. And Mario golf too. Um, oh, come on. Wasn't that another one that they had? I used to run the Mario golf on Nintendo. Oh, the original Nintendo Mario so golf. Hey, for at the time it was good. Yeah, I'll give you that. And then Sim had some golf games too. Could you create your own holes on Sim or how did that work? Yeah, they did. I had one of those for a PC where you could go through and create your own golf course. And I remember, I think it was just nine holes, but that was kind of fun. I mean, I think when you, when you think about living a life where you get to do something in golf all the time, playing would be number one, but I think 1B would be being able to design golf courses. That would be pretty awesome. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, that's what I was just going to say. I, mean, I think golf course design is one of those things that, um, and maybe it uh, seasons on you with the age too, but I, I think now I'm like, oh man, this would be fun to change this layout or to understand how the water flow works in here and do all that stuff. I think, I think uh, that part of it would be fun. I know we talked a little bit before we jumped on here. Apparently there's a new game out. Um, I don't have either one of you been on and had a chance to check out this uh, WGT golf app that's out there that's supposed to be supposed to rival the Tiger Woods. I have not been on it. Uh, that'd probably be bad for my marriage if I was because I'd spend more time with that than my family. So, oh, I would be terrible at it. I already know that. Like I would play it all the time. Like that's I've dug back into NCAA football 2013 for Xbox. Like I'm I'm searching for for some hobbies and I just know that sometimes hobbies turn into obsessions and I don't need to deal with that at this point in my life. We'll check back in on that and uh, see where you guys are at in a couple of weeks. If this quarantine continues on um, and uh, just how many, how many rounds you guys have gotten in um, on that. Uh, but stay with that. Let's uh, let's transition over to Jason. Um, Let's start with you, obviously, being the guest on the pod here uh, tonight. What, uh, what would be your ideal foursome? So let's, let's go living. Um, obviously, I'm sure we've lost some, some great people in our lives at some point. But uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, two weekends from now, if you're able to go out and you have a, a phone, you're able to call anybody and they're able to make it work. Uh, who are you taking out? Who are the other three you're taking out with you to get around in? Oh, man. That's a, uh, I don't think there's a right answer to that question, but uh, yeah, there is. I think, well, just based off of uh, being, a, being really uh, into all sports, I think Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods would be uh, the first two picks in no particular, well, probably Tiger Woods first because of how uh, obviously being the best golfer in the world. Uh, and then Michael Jordan uh, being one of the most famous icons in the world. And, you know, to round out the foursome, well, obviously I'm the worst golfer of the four. So, uh, you know, I, 
if I'm sticking with the sports team, I think that Peyton Manning would be a lot of fun because I think uh, just his sense of humor and his approach around the game, uh, seeing him play in some different events, and obviously the knowledge that that guy has and the things that he's done in his career as well, I think that'd be a pretty cool force him to hang with. And, uh, you know, if you, I'm sticking with the sports team. If you dip into the the entertainment and the actors, and uh, there's you know, Mark Wahlberg, I think would be a cool one to hang out with on the golf course. And uh, I guess I'll stick with the sports team and go with those three guys, though. Yeah, those are uh, those are those are three good ones. Obviously, a difficult decision um, as you take a look at them and. Uh, I'll be interested to hear kind of what Lee, Lee has to say. Hopefully he's got something prepared on the other side there. But um, as I look at it, it's funny because my my two first initial thoughts were obviously the exact same. I'm like, well, Tiger Woods, because you got to just – I mean, if you're playing golf, you want to play golf with Tiger Woods. Um, and then obviously Michael Jordan and um, obviously my obsession uh, with Michael Jordan, that was a pretty easy one. And, and just to hear the banter back and forth between those two and – and obviously the side bets and all the and all the stuff that uh, um, would be going on with that. Where those were those were pretty easy. And um, fortunately for me too, obviously I grew uh, love and passion from the game from my dad. And so pretty easy to slide dad in in, in my car with me and uh, uh, take him out with us and, and listen to those two go back and forth. And uh, dad and I just kind of do our thing. And so. I guess that would be that would be my my ideal foursome and and bring the old man along with me. So, yeah, it's kind of boring, but my first two picks are the exact same of of your first two. Um, you know, my my favorite golfer of all time, my co favorite basketball player of all time, but then I'm also I'm gonna throw in Steph Curry, and we're playing a, a two man game in our foursome and it's going to be tiger and Lee and it's going to be MJ and Steph and we're going to go back and forth and it's going to be awesome. And that obviously Steph, I mean, he can go too. If Steph's got play. Be, Steph's got to be, you think he's better than Jordan? I mean, I would say even in their primes, Steph is better than Jordan would be my, mm -hmm. my guess. Um, but I'd say if you're talking MJ in his prime, then that would be a perfect match for those two. Cause then you would have the, the best golfer of the foursome and tiger and the worst in myself and then the middle two. And it would be a, it'd be a battle. It'd be fun. I could throw some shots in with tiger. You where might does, get a uh, two shots. Where does Barkley fall in this? Anywhere we can try to sneak Charles on the course with us. Yeah. I'd let tiger or Charles carry my bag. That'd be fun. I don't want to watch him swing. I don't need no. that. Like I need some positive reinforcement when I'm playing some golf and I don't need to watch that for 18 holes. Barkley be fun just for the comedic relief and for the uh, entertainment side of things. But if you actually want to play golf, I'm out on that one. Yeah, me too. What if you had to go in all NFL for some, so you and three others, um, what do you, what do you guys in think? The NFL? Yeah, NFL. Like, still living? <laughs> still living. I th I think Brady and Manning would be uh, two really good ones to start out with. And, oh, I don't know. See, I would go – I Steve Young, Jerry Rice, obviously Niners. Yes, go Niners, baby. Yeah, Niners all the way. So, those two for sure. Um you know, Larry Fitzgerald can go, so it'd be kind of fun to to see him swing it. But uh, 
I think I would obviously just have to probably have to go Brady. So if I went Brady, Young, Rice, I mean, I'm I'm just along for the ride. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, if I'm going NFL, I'm if I'm picking my partner, I'm going George Kittle, and I have no idea if he's even good at golf. But I would ride in that guy's cart all day, and that would be a ton of fun. And then the other two guys, I wouldn't even really care who they are because I'd be riding with George Kittle. But I would definitely take Peyton Manning. I know he's not in the NFL currently. He could make a comeback. I have no idea. But then I think um, Brady would be the the easy pick because I think we've thought about him quite a bit. But I think, like, if I was really going NFL, I think Brett Favre would be a pretty fun foursome guy because you know that there's no laying up if Brett Favre is, is playing. I was going to say for that. Brett. I was going to say Brett Favre sticking with the quarterback team that I was laying out there with Manning, Brady, and Favre. And uh, that'd probably be a little bit of fun listening to those guys and being on the course. What about Romo? You're not going to get Romo in there to try to win He's some money? I mean, that guy can go. Too good. Too good. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to bring this down to our level. We're not trying to raise the bar here. So Romo would be great for insight. I mean, he'd probably tell you everything that you're doing wrong with your your swing and who's going to be running a hot route and who's going to be running a this and that with the linebacker steps up from his position or if the safety slides out wide. He'd be telling you what he's going to do. Like, I mean, I don't want to do anything that's going to happen. You got to match people up when you pick them. Like, if you're going Romo, you probably have to go with Steph Curry. Like, those guys would be at least similar from a, a golf perspective and, and big celebrities. So that would be tough. I can't put them both in the same group. Romo well, probably... I mean, if it's Romo, I mean, if we're, if we have Romo and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are on the table, I mean, I'm not, I'm not picking Romo over those guys anyway. Or Steve Young. No, no, no. Too good. Uh, agreed. Romo will be back there making side bets on based off my setup where the ball is going to go or what's going to happen off the club face. He'd be trying to predict everything like he did. He'd know, though, too. He would. Fact. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for part one with Jason. Go ahead and jump over to part two and, and check out our take on the Masters Rewind, um, as well as whose career would you rather have. And then to wrap up, uh, we jump into some stories of rounds in which that we had together. So uh, go ahead and check it out. We appreciate you listening. Two-putt pod.